Welcome to Cleveland Clinic Cardiac Consult, brought to you by the Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart and Vascular Institute at Cleveland Clinic. In each podcast, we aim to provide relevant and helpful information for healthcare professionals involved in cardiac, vascular, and thoracic specialties. Enjoy. I'm Dr. Steve Nissen, and I'm here with Dr. Leslie Cho, who is the section head for preventive cardiology and also our chief quality officer uh. of the of the uh, um, Department of Cardiovascular Medicine. Um, we're gonna talk about LDL cholesterol. Now, just when we thought we knew everything about LDL, new issues come up. So let's take these one at a time. Uh, first of all, you've spent a lot of time and you, on a daily basis, deal with patients with statin intolerance. What's the contemporary approach now to these patients? Uh, you know, we hear a lot of controversy. Some people say this doesn't exist. Uh, you've spent a lot of time thinking about it, so what are your thoughts? I mean, I think it definitely exists. I mean, you and I both know that a lot of these trials were done, and when they were done, they took healthy patients, and they, some of them had run-in periods, and you know, my, myalgias were very infrequent in these patient populations, but in the real world, it's very common, five to 10%. Yeah. You did a fantastic study, the Gauss-3 study, which really proved that statin intolerance does exist. Yes. Um, where patients were, you know, Lipitor and placebo and crossed over and had to have symptoms only on a statin, they for sure exist. And, and what I think for statin intolerance is you really need to do a good history and physical. You need to take a good understanding of what they were on, what they've tried. You have to be a doctor yeah. in this day and age. Yep. Um, and listen to your patients. And listen to your patients, absolutely. And then, you know, it really does depend on how much... Uh, statin they were on because it, it is dose dependent. I think there are certain patient populations in whom statin intolerance is much more common. Um, you know, smaller patients, patients with underlying muscle disorders. Uh, Asian. Asians, absolutely. And then when we do find that they really are statin intolerant, and there are medicines that interact with statin clearance like amiodarone, diltiazem, um, and antibiotics and some antifungals, we start them on resuvastatin once a week. Low dose. Very, very low dose, 2.5, once a week. And then we go to twice a week. And depending on how they're doing, we escalate either the frequency or the dose. And if they can't tolerate that, then we go to PCSK9 or whatnot, depending on what they, you know, what, what are the LDL goals. So how much, how much LDL reduction do you get if you give five milligrams a week of resuvastatin? Right. So it, it's, it's fascinating because I think you know, a lot of people are like, well, how can that possibly work? Resuvastatin uh, has a very long half-life. Um, we do that in conjunction with azetamide yes. in some patients. And we can get sometimes an LDL reduction about 25 to 30%. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, diet and exercise has a tremendous role. We never do it just with alone. medication with alone. Exactly. You know, um, it's actually, I went back and looked. During the development of resuvastatin, the company wasn't sure about the dose. So in the earlier trials, they actually did a bunch of studies with one milligram a day. Oh. And uh, so that's seven milligrams a week. Yeah. And they got a 30% LDL reduction. That's amazing. With a milligram a day. And yeah. so there actually is real randomized controlled trial data showing that the strategy that you pioneered, really, mm -hmm. I mean, you... now. I, Give us an idea how many patients you treat this way. 
So we published the data about 1,600 patients, and now we have you know over 3,000 patients in this uh, that we've treated in this way. You know, it's amazing because when we first started, no one believed us, and they were like, "This is clearly some kind of a super tentorial. It's like a nocebo effect." And, yeah. But it really does work mm -hmm. in people, and I mean, you sh you showed that beautifully in the Gauss three. Yeah. So uh, it does work. I think the interesting thing is is that by the time people come to see us. They've been poo-pooed by their other physicians, mm -hmm. so they're they're spooked. Yeah, they're spooked exactly. Yeah. So, um, how many of the people that you see just can't tolerate any statin? So we've tried in sixteen hundred thirty percent can't even take intermittent dosing. Yeah. Not even like you know once a week uh, dosing in Gauss three you showed forty percent. Yes. Intolerance. Yes. So I think if you are intolerant to two or more statin, there's a you know, 40, 30 to 40% chance that you can't take any statins. Yep. And how are you managing those people? So we have um, a, a really wonderful specialty pharmacy at the clinic, um, and we do many of them through PCSK9. Our approval rating is upwards of 90%. We're, I mean, that's thanks to our nurses and our pharmacists. That's not anything to do with physicians. It's really our amazing help that team. we have. Yeah, it's a really, truly a team approach. Um, and the other thing we are very aggressive about is diet and exercise. We are extremely aggressive. And it's true that 85% of people are moderate absorbers of cholesterol from their small intestine, but 15% are hyper absorbers. And for those patients, it really does make a tremendous well, difference. Yeah, and of course, azetamide in some of those people has a really big effect. Yes. So um, what about some of the older drugs, okay? Do you ever use niacin anymore? Do you ever use colocevalam? Yes. Uh, you know, any of these other yeah. kind of offline, off sorts of second-line drugs? Yeah, so niacin, we used to use a fair amount. You know, it's very hard for patients to tolerate. Our tolerance, you know, we, we talk them through it, take it at bedtime, take it with a meal, take your aspirin before. We've been able to be pretty successful. It's hard for patients to sustain that kind of, you know. What kind of LDL reductions are you getting with the niacin? Oh, so around 40%. So uh, like niacin at 2,000 milligrams, 40% LDL reduction. But I mean, these are patients who are super, super motivated. And, yeah. and these are also patients in whom they don't want to take prescription medicine and they know that niacin is natural. So they yeah. tend to favor towards niacin. Now we've seen some of these people, I've actually had a, quite a number of them, and I'm sure you have, mm -hmm. where they get conned by mm -hmm. uh, some nutrition store into taking no flesh niacin, oh, exactly. which is nicotinamide, and you I, I have zero, zero, effect. zero, zero, zero effect. effect. Okay. Zero effect. What about drugs? So what about you know bile acids, yes. sequestrants, colocevalam? Yeah. Do you still use them at all? We still use them. I mean, these are. We still use them, it's rare. I mean, I still have a handful of patients who are still on it, mainly because some of them um, have a real mental, I think, um, anxiety over injections. Um, and, you know, it's hard to, it, it, it's about shared decision-making, and I think that, you know, you, you give your patients the best knowledge, and what they do with that knowledge is, you know, what they do with it, and we have to sort of meet them halfway. If they don't want to take a PCSK9 because they, are deathly afraid of injections, okay. Yeah. So you've treated patients with low-dose statins, mm -hmm. you've added azetamide, and their LDL is still unacceptable. Are PCSK9 inhibitors now the next go-to strategy? 
It really is. And yeah. I, I mean, you're running a large trial on the benpedoic acid, and yeah. until we understand the outcomes of the benpedoic acid, um, PCSK9 is really our, our go-to therapy. It's really amazing, some of these reductions we have. You know, we, I, I think rarely in medicine do you see something as dramatic as this. It's dramatic. Right? Yep. Yeah, it is dramatic. Yeah. Now, you know, um, you know, benpedoic acid is filed for FDA approval. It's probably going to get approved, must many of us think, early next year or oh. maybe by mid-next year. Okay. So maybe we ought to talk about it a little bit. Um, um, you this, tell us, I mean, because you know so much about Well, this drug acid. is interesting. It's yeah. an ATP citrate lyase inhibitor, and it's a prodrug. And what makes it so interesting is it's an LDL-lowering drug. It works just upstream of HMG-CoA reductase, the, the uh, enzyme affected by statins. Uh, but it has to get transported into the liver to be active. And it doesn't get into muscle. There's no transport mechanism. So it can't cause myalgias because it doesn't get into muscle. Now, the LDL reduction is more modest but uh, they just recently published a trial where in combination with Zetamib, they got 38% LDL reduction. Uh, so this drug, which will be marketed both as bempedoic acid alone and with Zetamib, is going to come onto the market within the next, I would say, 12 months. And CRP, does it lower CRP? It's a very powerful anti-inflammatory, probably more effective even than statins. And, what, and there was some interesting discussion about diabetes at one point. Yeah, it's, you know, it's not part of the development program, so uh -huh. we don't have a lot of clarity. Uh -huh. But it seems to do all the right things. It's well-tolerated, and it doesn't cause myalgias. Mm. So for your patient population, I suspect you're going to use a lot of this drug. I mean, it's oral. It's oral? Yeah. Yep. And it's it's going to be, whatever its price point is, it's got to be less than the PCSK9s, yeah. right? The other thing about the drug is that it can be given with very small doses of statin. And so I actually think that the future here may be triple therapy, where you get five milligrams a week of rosuvastatin bempedoic acid, and azetamide. For the satin intolerant patients. And yeah, and yeah. get a 50% LDL reduction. Mm. And you know that's in the range of what you'd expect from PCSK9 inhibitors. So I think it's gonna play a role. Uh, its exact role remains to be determined. Uh, we are doing an outcome trial known as the CLEAR outcome trial. Uh, you're involved, of mm -hmm. course. And we're gonna find out in 14,000 patients whether it lowers morbidity and mortality, but the FDA approval is likely to occur based upon its LDL lowering properties. That's exciting. And so it's another addition to your armamentarium. Yeah. That should be uh, that should be very useful. In the in the realm of LDL cholesterol, anything else that's new? Well, I mean, you're you've been very very involved in lipoprotein A. Yeah. So tell us about the lipoprotein A, sort of what it is, and yeah. and sort of the. So it's a very big deal, yes. and of course we're both involved in this. Uh, you know, it's one of those. It's the last frontier, I think, in many ways of lipid management. Because HDL has died. HDL, <laughs> HDL's dead. We killed it. Uh, you know, uh, we tried our best to make it work, and it didn't work. And we know when to give up. Right. Um, but lipoprotein A is this very unusual particle that has uh, two components. Uh, one is an LDL-like particle. And the other is this uh, APOA component, mm -hmm. which is very strongly prothrombotic. 
Uh, people who have elevated levels, and you've studied this as well, generally above 60, uh, have an accelerated coronary disease. It has been untreatable, virtually untreatable uh, until now. Uh, but a small company in California uh, known as Ionis Pharmaceuticals has developed a, uh, a gene silencing approach called an ASO or antisense oligonucleotide, lowers levels by 80% or more. And it is about to enter into a very large phase three trial, uh, now being run by Novartis, the company partnered with the big Swiss pharmaceutical company, Novartis. Uh, we're doing the trial. Um, and then Dr. Cho on my left will be the principal investigator, <laughs> and I'm going to be the uh, study chairman. And uh, uh, we're going to be enrolling patients in many, many countries around the world. Uh, you will uh, have an opportunity to participate if you're an academic medical center or a large community hospital, and, and we hope people will help us get this done. 20% uh, of the population, as you've shown, mm -hmm. uh, have levels uh, above 60 milligrams per deciliter. And the, a lot of them we see have had myocardial infarctions in their 40s. Yes. And yes. so this is an opportunity yeah. now uh, to really change the landscape. And, uh, you know, we've been involved in a lot of trials over the years. This is an, ex is an exciting a trial as we've ever had the opportunity to run. And, uh, you know, stay tuned, watch this space because uh, things are going to evolve very rapidly. So we covered a lot in 15 yes. minutes. Um, yes. We hope you found it useful. I'm Steve Nissen here with Dr. Leslie Cho. And thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Please subscribe and share the link on iTunes.